Blog Talk Radio. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. We don't need your money to survive. We pay for the network with our own hard-earned cash. But if you want to help us grow and reach more people, just go to FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you a free network t-shirt. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. We are your host, Matthew and Aaron Miller. It is uh, going to be an interesting show we're going to do for you today, just some questions and answers. Now, this actually comes straight from Aaron. I'm at work. He just randomly texted me uh, three questions, and uh, we discussed one of them last night. But, uh, you know, it's very important for... Um, the Ecclesia Vice to be able to do this, to shoot us questions and to have a biblical, concrete, firm foundation answer. Now, that's one of the very rare things you're going to find anywhere. When you ask your preacher, teacher, or pastor, can they give you a firm foundation? Right here, you know exactly where we're coming from. We use the Septuagint. We use the Adito Regia. We use the Masoretic text. We use the Delich New Testament. Period. That's where the answers are coming from. Uh, so, with that in mind, Aaron, let's get to question number one absolutely off the hook. Number one, is Melchizedek the pre-incarnate Christ? If not, how did he have no beginning or end? Boy, um, that question in of, in of itself is enough to take uh, your breath away. It, it, it's absolutely enough to, to, to blow your mind. I, well, I, I actually was a Facebook friend of mine who brought it up to me, and, you know, I, I people had brought this question to me before, and I always shut it off, and I was like, I, I had always been under the impression that Jesus was simply uh, under his order because Melchizedek was not a Levite priest. Mm-hmm. So, I, but, but I, I, I was aware that people would, uh, would say that he was either the pre-incarnate Christ or some great angel, and I, you know, I, and I, like I, I didn't see that anywhere in the time that he was mentioned in Genesis. That any you know, indication it seemed that he was some sort of inhuman being. Now, uh, the reason for the question starts in Hebrews chapter seven, um, and. Uh, starting in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings, 
and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of this, all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness. Okay, so Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And, and, and that's and, key critical that the scripture pointed that out to you. Then it says, and then also the king of Salem, which is king of peace. And then it just made me think, should we be translating it King of Salem anymore? Should it, does it, is it saying here that it's supposed to be translated as King of Peace? And I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, why would it, why would it say that? And, um, and then it says, this is the key point here. Verse 3. The King of Salem, okay, without a father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning or et of days or, nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. <laughs> okay, just, just take a deep breath. Let's start this. Do you believe this text? That the Bible... The, the, yes the or Bible, no? Do I believe what Yes Jesus or no? Says? Yes. So you believe that this right here is the very Word of God? Yes. So you have to come to grips with what it just said. Don't you? <laughs> you, you, do, you don't have a choice. You just have to come. The person who I was speaking to, he connected something that was very pivotal to me that just made me wake up. John 8, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. <laughs> Are you going to argue with that text? No. Can you answer that text? When did Abraham do this? I mean, but formally, I just thought that somehow Abraham would have... Was either magical. Either Abraham was... Um, it was referring to uh, the Abrahamic covenant by which God said the Messiah would come through him. Oh, okay. And it is. And it is. You only exist because you are a child of Abraham. You've chosen through Christ's sacrifice to be the children of the promise. Correct? Correct. So you have to step back from him a minute and say, yes, yes, that's true. And what else can it mean? <clears throat> or somehow he was able to see what was going on through the spiritual realm. I mean, since Abraham was, you know, in... The third heaven, which where it's so you mean up. a beat around the bush method, right? That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, yeah, there's some erythrial. Yeah, but even still, yes. Um, Can I say this? Yes, the, 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 the we we got to make these two points that Isaiah sure says that the Son of God is the Son of Righteousness, and it also calls him the Prince of Peace. So those sort of wording goes the same with him. And so looking at this text about Melchizedek, and I said, the question that I brought to him was, this person was, I was like, why? Why was Jesus there? What was he doing on earth at that time? Well, the only thing I can tell you is we're going back to the promise, right? The promise was made to Abraham, correct? And this text says that Abraham had to give his tent. There had to be a, 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 a recipient to the promise. There had to be a guarantor of the promise, correct? Correct? Hello? Yes. 
So, but what I pointed out is that is this really what it's saying? Does it, it does it, it says he's like the Son of God? Does it necessarily saying he is him? It seems like they're comparing, but like it doesn't seem to be. I mean, like originally when I read it, it didn't feel like it was you know saying they're equivalent. But I don't know. Could you read this and that's is that what it's trying to say? Like it. I mean, you gotta you gotta agree with this. It says without without father and without mother, without genealogy, neither beginning of days nor the end of life. Well, you know, it, now it doesn't say that in the Old Testament, but perhaps it's saying this in a meta could it be saying this in a metaphorical way, as in to say that Genesis doesn't record it. Genesis doesn't record any of those things. For sure, Genesis don't need to record it because it's recorded by Hebrews right here. Yeah, and he and what if this is what Hebrews is trying to tell you that it's not recorded? Any none of this is recorded, so it seems in a sense like that never ended. His priesthood never ended. Like I mean, I don't know. That's that is an interpretation, but the the point is is if he had no beginning of days or end of life, then that would mean he was never created. If you interpret it. I mean, if if you take it full literal, then it's it's saying that he was never created, was never produced, and this was not an incarnation. He didn't his incarnation. It was never, yeah, this it, it was never really an incarnation at all. So I don't know. Let's go back to Genesis 14 and see what it may be saying. The implications. Okay, we can do that. We can go to Genesis uh, 14, which is right there. We need to switch over. Okay. So we need to figure out what the valley. What did? What does Shiva, Shiva mean? The Valley of Shiva. Verse 17. So we will flip it up here to uh, what you want to do. The Septuagint. Uh. The Septuagint will say something different for sure, so okay, let's get the Hebrew. Let's we'll, we'll get the Hebrew. You turn the strong numbers off last time. <clears throat> I don't like that. <laughs> you don't like it. What do you mean you don't like it? I like that. But the um strong size to say about it. Resemble. People need to be aware of this is that sometimes when people key these things to strong, they're not always right. You have to watch their jots and tittles. Yep. Mm -hmm. So to destroy, to equalize, to level. Yeah. Like, why did they meet here? Do we know where this is at? So let's see what Brenton has to say. Sabi. Kingsley Sabi. Now, I like that. That's quite interesting. This Sabi. By the way, I actually found this from my... I actually made this thing that my dad is using here. I made this. That's right. They can't see this, can they? If they get the Word program, you actually made this, didn't you? Yeah, I, I had I had to convert a file from online. You can get it for the Word, for the eSword, but I converted that file and got it to... The word. So, if you any of you guys need this, just uh, message me. Here it is. Sawi. Sawi. It's it's. So he just transliterates the word. Right. He transliterates. Takes you back to the Hebrew. But <clears throat> he says it's the king's plane or the king's for sure. 
you realize that this means to make level. It means to excavate. Do you know what excavate means? You've seen it happen before. You know what an excavator is, correct? So when you take a hill, you take a valley, and you make them flat. But what if, what if this is what it's saying? It's equal, it equalizes the kings. All the kings will meet here to, to make treaties or deals or whatever. Right. And this is why it is the valley of equalizing, basically. Right. I mean, I, that could be an interpretation. Yeah, very well. And then it says, and then, okay, and then it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem. And now let's tr translate it this way. Then Melchizedek, the king of peace, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of most God most high. Okay, so so it seems to be like a sort of Eucharist type event, a communion. Exactly. Exactly. So he literally just comes. He, we know he didn't come. He, it, it never says that he joins them, Abraham, in the battle. Abraham single-handedly takes on <coughs> all of those soldiers, kills all nine kings. Well, not well. The king of Sodom, of course, was not killed because that he was killed. You know, and it's pretty interesting. In this chapter, you'll see that the first king of Sodom was killed in the slime pits, and now this one must be must have been his successor right after. Right. He's, this one's actually the new king of Salem. Okay, so you um. So he said, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High. Abraham of God Most High. And so, I, I, and I want to look at that with, uh, what this translate? Blessed be God Most High. He delivered, okay, he blessed Abraham said, and made Abraham be blessed by God Most High. That's what that one says. No, it doesn't say by. Abraham, the God, most high, most high. The only way you can, the only way this makes sense in Koine Greek, you realize what that is, don't you? Literally saying Abraham of the God most high, admitting the covenant they had made. He was admitting this was the facilitator of the promise for the people. Of the Lord God most high. And in, in even uh, the book of, there in the book, in the epistles to the Hebrews, it refers to Levi still being in the loins of Abraham, of course, because he would have not born yet. Right. If you put it in the same perspective, Jesus was still in the loins of Abraham because he wasn't born yet, and that was where he was going to descend from. That's where he was going to. That, that's where and he rejoiced to see his day. Now, what can yeah. we see any other implications in the text? Let's let's go back and read a little more. Here, the king of Sodom even refers to the God Most High as being YHVH. So he, YHVH. he like he declares Sodom, the king of Sodom himself declares who the God Most High is. And you you all need to understand what that means because to me, when I was reading it through this, it eventually came to me that why would you call him God Most High? Because there were, according to others, there were other gods. Right. There was a set of um, uh, uh, an idea of polytheism, but there was one higher God, the highest God the of all. The highest God. And people, and, and of course, the, um, the atheists will come and, and, and attack it and will say that 
YHVH was just taken from other religions. But what if they were just worshipping him too among their other gods? And that makes, and, and you can see that, it's, it's called syncretism. But originally, I mean, everybody worshipped that god. Everybody coming off the ark did. But you have to realize what this text does in ancient Greek. It literally says that Abraham of YHVH. Yeah. He was literally saying here in ancient Greek, that Abraham was of God's, well, ownership, family, however you want to say it. Melchizedek here was admitting that God's children was going to come through Abraham. And basically, he disappears by verse 20. He's God. Not, he, we, we don't know what he does from there. Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. He, but why? Did Abraham know of him before? Who this Melchizedek was before? And I, and you've mentioned before that you thought it was God the Father that was that talked to Abraham in on the mountain or whatever when he saw the, when he sent those two angels to Sodom and Yeah, he was chit chatting. With was God. it was that actually Melchizedek? Melchizedek was, was it? <laughs> and that would explain why. But but it doesn't say that either. We have this in the same text. I mean, we do know this. Genesis must have been taken from a bunch of other documents that were put together into one by Moses. Um, and, and a lot of it was also, like, possibly oral, oral traditions. So, um, but even still, could, are, is it possible that that was what was happening? That, Mel, that Melchizedek... But, I mean, if you use the exact translation that Hebrews points to that he's saying the king of righteousness the king of peace came to yeah yep and um <clears throat> now the other um indication idea that i suggested was that um that melchizedek could have been an, uh, an angel um incarnated as a physical being um we have and I base this on the fact that when I, I looked at the, the etymology for Jerusalem several times before, but it hit me quite recently, um, that people say, um, well, it could be City of Peace. And I know what they were talking about. Ear and Shalom, those two words together. And then I realized that I know the city word for city is also the same word for watcher. That's correct. And could this? And then I. And then it took me back to a few shows we did a while back, to say that there were two sons of God. Yep. Shakar and Shalim. Yep. And Shakar, of course, represents uh, Halel or Azazel. But could this be saying that the one that stayed true, the one that stayed good, was this angel or this watcher or whatever? And he remained on earth to judge people like, like this. I mean, from what we know, by Daniel's description, that they set out decrees for people. Right. Especially for kings. And so, um, it's just an interesting suggestion that perhaps he was he's the last watcher that stayed here on earth. I don't know. Could he still be here among us or what? So... So, when we look at Isaiah chapter 29, we look at that, we're going to go to the New American Standard Bible. Woe to Ariel, Ariel, the 
city where David once camped. Okay? Everybody says that this is this is a prophetic name for Jerusalem, right? The city of David. I hate to rain on your party. That word right there is overtly uh, has the angelic all over it. It means lion of God. Here, Isaiah chapter 29 is almost proving the words that just came out of your mouth. It means altar. I mean, it can, I mean, basically it's worded a little different, but it can also mean altar. And right. this can, as much we know, Jerusalem is the eternal throne by which Jesus will reign. That is, and we know that because the foundation stone. And and so, this was even before David even came there. And we know who was sitting on the throne at that time. That would have been Melchizedek. And later on, you see another person on the throne by the time of Moses called Adonizadeh. And he's clearly a pagan, and in evil he gets killed by the... So, so, but the name is really, really like Melchizedek. And, like, what happened to Melchizedek? Because of that, formerly I, I had interpreted as to mean it was a dynasty, and along the line they started becoming more pagan, as, as you can see that. But um, otherwise, I mean, could this have been what happened at the time? this entity was sitting on the throne. Um, so, I don't know what, what, but even still, it says no beginning of days. So, I don't know. What do you think of the presupposition that the angelic entity could very well have the name Ariel? Yeah, Isaiah twenty nine is coming right up. Tell me. Yeah, I always, I always had a feeling that it had to be something angelic. So, so these two, one was, of course, you stated was Azazel. This one was the other. No, the angel of dusk is what he would be. Um, Hesperus, which is the evening star, right, is uh, has the name uh. In Hebrew, the Hebrew translation for that is Cassiel. And it sounds quite a bit like Cassiel, Cassiel. The, angel, the, the angel Cassiel, so I've been writing a little bit of that. Um, you, a form of that name is Castiel, if any of you uh, supernatural show, they have him under that name in that show. But yeah, Cassiel is the original name. And so, and there he also appears as a new name. I don't know. Show, I don't know about Castiel. I'm just speaking to the audience, but a lot of okay, people right. do. But, um, yeah. Anyway, this is extreme Q&A, correct? Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure your brains just got fully throttled. Check the verses that we've uh, given to you. Check it out. All right. Question number two. Are the archangels the seven spirits of God? Seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Would that explain how Gabriel went into Mary. Yes, the same wording, we were looking at this before, the same wording used there is the same wording as it uh, uses with Satan when it says Satan entered into Judas. That's right. And so, 
Um, I don't know. What's an anomaly with this word used? The the same we mentioned it in the last show. The, the that's right. Uh, the changing of letters to the Heta. To the Heta. And so. And take note. This is the same thing done with Harpazo in Revelation chapter twelve and verse five. The Alpha is changed to the Heta for some reason. So. So what? Um, I'm sorry. We were picking that up out of thin air for you guys. Uh, I was. Okay, so, ooh, literally calls him an apostle. Nice. Yep. Gabriel the apostle, huh? And so, this comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 28, and it says, having come in. Right. And so, this is where you will see it in your translations usually. It says, he went in, flip it over to the dead origin. And that's your word in there. And here it is again for you. And all, uh, Luke chapter 20, 22, verse 3. Satan entered Judas. So, um, <clears throat> let's talk about this a little bit. Okay? What is the ramifications of, what is the ramifications of what you just said? What does this mean? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, like, it always appears to say that Satan entered into Judas. Most people say this is a possession incident, but it doesn't use the same wording to say that. So, <clears throat> another... I mean, literally what you're trying to say, if that be true, then Gabriel would be Jesus's paternal parent, right? No, not if under this interpretation. If if it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, then that would say the Holy Spirit is his father in a sense. It's the father of Jesus in a sense, and because the Holy Spirit is the one that came upon Mary mm -hmm. to produce, to do whatever he did. And we actually talked about this pretty hardcore last night. How did he do... Like, how did Mary... Um bear Jesus out like what did he like we know that the with any with God anything's possible but when you just think on it about it on a scientific level what did he do like okay let's rule out this where is the sin carried from baby to baby through whether you like it or not through the sperm correct correct technically it's from man to man to man the Hebrews is clear when it says that the sin was perpetuated through Adam. You don't have to like it. That's just what it says. Yeah, and and remember in first in Genesis chapter three, it says God says by the seed of the woman. Yep. It doesn't use the word. It doesn't word. say the seed of the man. There's no such thing. All right. So we got to the hardcore. We had to get our hands dirty. Okay. I brought up the simple fact that. Uh, God could use any cell to facilitate that task. It just had to be 50%, right? And let's describe this for, for the listeners. A sperm cell is 50% of a person, and the egg is 50% of a person, correct? Yeah. You mend those two, and you have one, right? So, 
that's not what God did. That's not what he did. Did he take another cell and just any cell Mary had there? And I don't, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't why not? think so. Because he wouldn't need to do that. Well, he's God. Of I mean, he wouldn't have to need to do that. Yeah, I mean, basically, the reason why you have a sperm cell, um, why a woman can't just do it on her own, you know, have a have her own child on her own without either divine help or, you know, of course, through a man. So, <clears throat> so through this cell that is a sperm, it's very different from an egg. It's not even the same kind of cell. It's something entirely different. It's but a the, different animal. Yeah, it is enti- it's entirely different. Entirely different. And so, when these two things unite, they become a new kind of cell called a zygote. And that's that's what develops into a baby. So the zygote. So I said, whatever happened, the Holy Spirit caused, told the genetic code to start producing part organelles or something or or things to create a child. So basically, the Holy Spirit was giving commands to an egg cell that wasn't normal, and that's how I interpret. Because. You know that normally the sperm transfers genetic code to the egg and they start working together. Now, what you just said, this is what happened. No sperm cell was required. The Holy Spirit started dictating to that egg, you do this. Yes. And you have, gave the programming. Yeah, exactly. So this happens because the um, – this happens because you have <clears> – <throat> A cell's DNA is the all the information for you. Right. So, literally, all I need, you know, uh, just one single cell from my body, and you have all you need to know all about me. All you need. That's all you need to know about that's me. Right. One single cell, everything is inside of that DNA that's inside. Right. And so, and, and that has information, commands for each cell of what to do. And the cell knows what to do. It produces this organelle and or things like that, and they do this, they do this, do they do this. Just basically a series of commands. It's a machine. You have it is a soft machine. Amen. Exactly. And and this is the one of the biggest arguments that you know creationists have is like, how do you make that? Like when you say like a cell is a simple life form. Oh it's no, not. it's not. No, 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 no it's not. Uh, and so, because of this DNA, you are able to do all these things. And so, basically, it seems that the Holy Spirit gave commands to this cell to produce things. And so, I'm just, you know, trying to get you guys' mind working. You know, we all just think of it just being, you know, a miracle. Yes, it was. It doesn't happen, you know. But the... Let's put bring it down to a scientific level because God didn't just create this the zygote, then he wouldn't be related to Mary at all. Then he wouldn't be related to Adam. He didn't just create the zygote. He had to use her and her blood. So just um just trying to get your minds working on that. But am I saying that so so with this interpretation are the seven spirits of God the seven archangels? And so if that is true, if that would be true, then that would explain why it seems that Gabriel is called the angel of the Lord. And we know in the Old Testament the, the angel of the Lord was sometimes worshipped and sometimes referred to 
as YHVH and sometimes referred to as God. And so why would this be? And uh, so so if Gabriel is that, and if Michael is that too, because possibly in Zechariah there's implications that he is Michael, that all of those seven angels can be called an angel of the Lord. They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Easy. Now, let's go back to the chamber room incident when you can clearly prove in a court of law that there is an angel in that chamber. Yeah. And then Gabriel starts talking. Herein is the proof in the pudding. You don't want to cross that line. But what is implied, especially in that context, was Zacharias. He's in the temple. He's in there. Some things come, you know, show up. You can clearly prove in a court of law that the angel of the Lord is standing in the corner. So this, and he's not speaking. Gabriel's speaking for him. So this is what stands out to me. Now, we, like I've told you before, it's the, that it's that most translations would say Satan entered into Judas. And then I pointed this thing out to my dad the other day. Um, in John chapter 13, verse 2, it says, During the supper, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Instead of saying that he entered into him, it says that he put something into his heart. And then, and that makes, and not only does that make a sense, but it helps us with the interpretation of what Gabriel might have done. And so Satan was he put sowed his seed into Judas Iscariot. He wasn't. He himself wasn't entering into him, but he entered something into him. Likewise, Gabriel entered in the Holy Spirit into her. And you're saying that in this instance is just like the Zacharias incident, where Gabriel was literally speaking. The angel of the Lord standing right there, but Gabriel's speaking. We. I mean, that was, I mean, that was an interpretation that he made, um, because it doesn't seem to, I mean, you could interpret it that way for sure, but we do know that exact same thing happens in Daniel, where he's, Gabriel exactly. never says that the, that the, that the guy with huge pillars for legs is Gabriel, it just says that Gabriel starts talking and touches him. Right. And then later on in the, in the book, then you see Gabriel's talking, and then the man on the other side of the river. Exactly. The angel on the other side of the river. So, basically, we see uh, that may very well have been exactly what would happen with Zechariah. Okay. Let's talk about this just for a second, shall we? This is what I'm saying. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, you, are, you cannot go there. Gabriel is not the angel of the Lord. This is what is implied. There are seven archangels, and those archangels are always escorting one of the seven spirits of God. So, is this what it means when you see the cherubim, and it says the spirit of the cherub was was inside the wheel? Is that uh huh? Could, could you apply that same thing to those archangels? Exactamundo. That they're carrying. That spirit isn't in them. We we know that for sure. That the Holy Spirit can't enter into angels. Well, or at least he doesn't. Because it says, the scripture says that the angels long to have it. Right. Because right. only humans have it. So, right. 
the Holy Spirit instead is with them, is at least with these arch, this archangel. And the archangel does all the work and does all the talking while the, while the angel of the Lord, one of these seven spirits, this is the whole reason why there's seven archangels. Where they go, the seven archangels go. Right? Okay? Yeah. And so, and now, and whatever purpose he may, it may be for, like say for instance, if Raphael showed up, he, the spirit of healing was the one that was supposed to be. And so. Exactly. Or, um, for Gabriel, who specifically, he comes to give strength, mm-hmm. usually. Um, he, like, we, we see that continually in an angel touching someone and giving them strength. Right. And that's especially in his name. So you would say the angel of strength, or the spirit of strength, would be the one that was with him, so we could put it that way. But that's what makes him so drastically different from human prophets. Because in human prophets, the spirit speaks through them. Instead, right. the spirit, with angels, the spirit is with them, it tells them what to say. Right. And they say, exactly. thus says YHVH. Yes. You do this, this, this. This, 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 and this. Right. So there's seven archangels for the illicit purpose of escorting each of these seven spirits that are God's seven spirits. I mean, you could put it that way. You could also say that the, that, that they are that it. they are the tool of the holy of the seven spirits in whatever action. And so, right. when you see when you see this, the I mean that puts uh, yeah, like I mentioned there. Oh, Gabriel's an apostle. I mean, what are the apostles? What is an angel means messenger. What is a messenger? They usually bring word of something to you. Right. Somebody sent out to do the will of God for something. And sometimes they'll even hand you a letter. You know? Right. And, and in some instances, you could be saying, what is Gabriel sent to Mary for? What was his letter? He was given the Holy Spirit to her. Mm-hmm. And that just makes you think, which of the seven spirits did he give her? Anyway, interesting... Uh point that you have there. You want to drink my coffee? Holy cow. Okay. Um, here we, of course, have it in Revelation chapter 5. Uh, what is it? Verse 6. Yeah, verse 6. Um, and I saw between the throne the four living creatures, and the elders, the lamb standing, as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And you'll take note that every time this happens, you have an archangel delivering the message. You have Gabriel telling Daniel the same thing. Yeah, God sent word. And of course, who's doing the talking? Gabriel. Even though you know, well, we're not going to go back there and, and read that again, but it's plain there is another entity there Gabriel's talking for. It's plain. So, there you have it. Boy, you talk about extreme Q&A. It's these questions that need to be brought to bear. They need to be reckoned with in order for edification to be accomplished. You have to take it head on. So, next extremely hard question. And third time is a charm, ladies and gentlemen. 
Did Satan execute Jesus so he could usher the end of the 70 generations? This is referring to one of the last shows we did. Right. The, uh, um, the reference in Enoch to the 70 generations would, would be the completion of the sin of the fallen angels. And that was how long it would be that, that Gabriel had chained them. That's right. Had chained them. And then we counted 70 heads from Methuselah, who died about the time of the flood. All the way to Jesus. Jesus. You run into Jesus. Okay. Jesus was the seventh, seventh head. That's all right. In that genealogy, the seventieth, I mean, in, in the genealogy. And so, was this why Gabriel? Oh, why? Sorry, Satan was trying to execute him. Was not the purpose of stopping the messianic kingdom, but his mind was on ushering in his, um, you know, this his angel, Azazel, from the pit. And so, why would this be? Because we know for sure Jesus wasn't having any kids. And he didn't plan to either. Right. So, um, obviously, the generations wouldn't keep going, and it would never end. It would never end, because he would never die. Yeah, and, and you know, Jesus, it, literally, the scriptures had said that the Messiah would sit on the throne forever. Right. And so, if Jesus was on the throne forever, then Azazel will never be released. Nope. And so, because of that, then we know that um, he, he asked me, like, what, what, what is Satan's purpose? And I was like, as far as I know, I don't know if Satan wants anything to do with Azazel, but he knows this, at least. That the false Christ, his Messiah, is supposed to have Azazel's DNA. So, the only way he he's thinking to get it is to is for him to rise up in the pit. That's right. And so, and of course, as we know, his body would basically be in the iron state where he would. That's right. And so he would probably have to figure out a way to restore his body to a state where it could. Um, you know, return to the carbon area by which you could produce, you know, viable DNA. But which is the natural process of a supernova. But it would make a lot of sense, um, because you know, if if the Bible says that you know the the Messiah would be the morning star, he would think, oh, the morning star must be Azazel then, and so he wants that seed. And then he also probably wants Ephraim's seed because he is the Maoz of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So most translations would say his helmet or the fortress of the Lord. Literally, he's referred to as um, the Moaz of the Lord. Yes. And so he would be his Messiah or in a sense. Perhaps that was Satan's motive. And m my dad, we, we, we conversed about what the temptation was for for a while. And I was like, well, what if it was Satan just being flabbergasted? He's just like, I wasn't expecting this, that God would incarnate in flesh, whereas for so many years he thought it would be a Nephilim, one of the Nephilim that would be the Messiah. And, but literally, God had become flesh. And I don't know what it looks like for an angel. Right, we don't know what, what their perception of what Christ is. Yeah, yeah. Were they only able to see his human nature? Were they only able to see the, the his all-human part? 
and they're not able to see through to the all-god part. Well, this is why he came. This was the purpose of the temptation. With every riddle, he said, if you be the son of God, he couldn't perceive it. He could not tell by his perception, as great as it is, he could not see that Christ was the king. He couldn't see it. So he kept asking him, well, this ain't making no sense. If you're the son of God, cast yourself off this, off this, you know, off this pinnacle and the angels are supposed to come get you. That's what God And what was the key word? What was the key part? He asks, he tells him, I'll give you everything if you only worship me. If you only worship me. But he kept asking for proof. So he's, so he's basically saying, if you're the Messiah, I'll give you your kingdom in advance. Right. I'll give you your kingdom in advance because it's mine. And then one, but he wanted him to be a pawn. He wanted him to be a right. pawn of his. Exactly. So basically, this is being, he's trying to be like Al Capone here. Exactly. He, yep. he wants to be in control of it all. And of course, being the prince of this world is not too far from the, you know, from our understanding. So basically, and, and we see him doing that all the time. He always wants pawns. But once Jesus is a piece in his puzzle, puzzle he, he thinks that he would be his own, uh, what do you refer to, uh, tributary king or something like that? Um, a, a king that's not yours, uh, of your kingdom, but he works under you? You mean a vassal? Yeah. So, so basically, um, that's what it seems like he was trying to do, like, trying to find out, like, if he's the Messiah, then... He's entirely flabbergasted because he's thinking, well, then that ruins everything that I thought for the longest time. And the big thing we need to remember is he he left empty-handed. Christ would not provide him with proof. No, he He he, didn't give it to him. He didn't give any proof. He just attacked him with scripture and, you know, and once Satan, you know, he left without any answers. Right. He left left empty-handed. Satan left empty-handed. He would not prove himself because he didn't have to. Didn't have to. So is the reason why that he killed Jesus, what reason would he have had to do this? Once he killed him, he knew he hadn't had any children yet, so there was no way that Jesus' seed could ever be the Messiah. No way that was going to happen. And I don't know. Maybe we're thinking of even further... Further, are we supposed to say think that the seventy generations started with Noah? Did it start with Noah, and Jesus was sixteen sixty nine, and then his next generation is supposed to be? But that would make no sense to why Satan was born. Well, one thing's for sure: he wants his scapegoat to be the Messiah. You know that because what's the very first thing that happens when a zazzle comes up out of the abyss? What's the very first thing that happens? Satan gives him his authority. You know that illicitly from Revelation chapter 12, you see the ten horns is the dragon. Amen? Yeah, and and you see this, and you even see that, that the authority that he gives over to the to Azazel is mutual with the false prophet. They both have the same authority. Right. Like, in that you see the, him, the, the false prophet speaking with the voice of a dragon. Yep, so basically... They both have that authority of Satan to sort of demonstrate this this idea of a trinity in a sense that they're 
equal with one another. Right. They're equal one with each other. Right. So, and you have that with the issuance of the spirits like frogs, right? They come out of whose mouth? The mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Now you have it beyond any shadow of a doubt. They are mimicking the Trinity. They refer, uh, some theologians refer to this as the unholy Trinity because it appears throughout the book of Revelation, these three characters that uh, play their uh, specific roles in the book of Revelation. But, so, when you back up, we have to go the next step. We admit that Satan could not perceive him, correct? Let me rattle thine cage, because the Nephilim, the unclean spirits, Legion, could most certainly I did. Yes, but but I suggested this to my dad that if demons are something that are basically different than angels. Yeah, they're half. first of first of all, angels, uh, demons are spirits, right. entirely spirits. Angels have a burning nature. We don't know what it's like, but they they have a physical aspect of them, right. and it contains DNA, which can produce. Right. right, 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 right. But demons are only spiritual. Does it have to do with that? That these spirits were able to see the God part, which was in God in, in Christ's spirit. They were right. Were and then another part, the demons when they said this, they were speaking through a human. So was it because they were seeing through human because eyes? Because they were because they were viewing Christ through human eyes, were they able to perceive him? Yeah, and we what? don't know, but you gotta take this to the bank, ladies. Joan, you don't have to like it. I don't care. I don't care if you like it or not. Satan could not perceive Christ was the king. The demons, however, that were the sons of angels and human women that were slain in the flood, they could perceive he's the Christ. And they begged him, hey, don't judge us yet. Are you here to judge us? You can't judge us yet. Our father's not been unleashed upon the earth yet. And that actually makes kind of sense to a text that we were we were referred to uh, a, lot, a few shows ago about the, about the, the Gospel of Nicodemus. Yeah. Literally, Christ gives Satan into the authority of the unclean spirit, um, Beelzebul, because throughout the we didn't read the entire thing, but basically, the um, Beelzebul's like, "Oh my gosh, why did you just bring God down here?" And and Satan's like, "No, he's not God." And basically, they're fighting. Beelzebul's <laughs> like, "Yeah, he is." And wh and why did he know that and not Satan? Exactly. Because Belzebul was Azazel's firstborn son. He had been born into the flesh. He was, what does your Enoch translation properly translate it? Earthborn. That's exactly what the Greek says. They are earthborn. No, you don't have to use this Nephilim term, and Nephilim might mean this, and Nephilim might... No, the Greek comes right out and tells you they were earthborn. So they had the proper perspective the angels did not have. And Belzebul's like, oh crap, what'd you do? Because <laughs> Christ the King had come to horrow hell. That's what happened. 
You could take that to the bank. So, boy, is this why he did it? Yeah, I was like, this, like, me and my dad, we talked about it this, about this for a few hours last night. Just trying to figure, figure it out why, why Satan did what he, did what he did. But I was like, well, it just seems to me like his mind was distracted. He was distracted. He didn't put a second thought to the idea. He was going to kill the Son of God. He was, he was focusing on the fact he was going to kill someone off so he could usher in somebody and else. We've, and we've talked about this before. We've talked about this before. That we have three things. Right? We have body, mind, and what we come up with in soul or spirit. 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 Okay, body, the mind, mind spirit. And, the, and the word for mind, um, I mean, I, I was trying to translate psyche in Greek to mind, and it's very, very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to do because, that. Because it seems that psyche is more than just your mind. That's right. It's the ability to change your mind, which it seems like an angel cannot change his mind. Yes, and this is what, like in the scripture, the the word is used when it says Adam became a living soul. Right. Okay, so right. So in my translation that I'm that I'm working on, translation of the Bible, I decided that soul is the only good work right now. But people, I can't come up with something better because it it's. But people will get it confused. The soul and the spirit are not the same thing. Scripture never uses them as the same thing. But the soul is more like a mind, but a mind seems to be part of the aspect of what a soul is. It's, it, it, in Hebrew and Greek, it means to breathe. Inspiration, in a sense. And this is, right. what, this is what's in your blood. The scripture says that the soul blood, a lot of translations will say life blood, but it literally says nefesh blood. And what is that? We've talked about this before. You have the the red blood cell, which has no nucleus. It has that bubble of air in the middle. That's where the oxygen is transferred throughout the cells of your body. So that would be why it would mean breathing. It's basically whatever is there. Yep, yep, yep. Well, Aaron, um, good stuff, yeah? No? There... I mean, can you say for sure we reached anything hardcore, like we answered the questions? We answered the questions. I don't know if we really, I don't know if we really answered the first one, like we came to a solid conclusion. We gave solid data. Do not say we didn't, because we did. So, I mean, it's up to you all to... Hammer it out. You know, come out with your own... uh, interpretation of it i mean that's that's pretty pretty hard grounds to be arguing arguing whether or not somebody was god and that's a really careful area that we need to stand on because i mean the only reason that i that i'm just really careful with melchizedek being god one is because it never really says it no it says it just it just says that he's a king there and so is you know I don't know if he literally is I don't know it, because it, it just doesn't seem to in, indicate it there and even still in Hebrews where it says that he you know he has no beginning or end of days it just says he's like the Son of God it doesn't say he is the Son of God we we know for sure that 
his same priesthood Jesus entered into. Why? Because now he's going to sit on the throne. No. I mean, you could just say, with the other watcher interpretation I had, that was Melchizedek acting as the regent for him. As a, that's what it sounds like to me. So that's that's the one that I kind of edged more towards, but, you know, it's just really, really careful things we need to be with, because, you know, that's quite a... We did this, like, the last two shows, having a... trying to have a conversation about, uh, are we... should we call this person God or not? <laughs> because we, we need to be careful. I mean... This the, the the thing about our show Christian conspiracy theory the main uh, uh, saying that we have on there is this is not the say of the Lord. That's right. This is so basically the, the statement that the Bible doesn't come out and say it to you, but it possibly may be relaying it. And this, but we have to be careful in this area too. This is where many have fell, fallen from the faith and from truth. So you we we we. To do the thing that we're type that we're doing, you gotta make sure you're you stand on solid ground and you know what you believe first. Well, that's the really big problem, isn't it? Um, you have to believe the text first. If you don't have a firm foundation, if you don't know in whom it is you have believed, you're wasting your breath anyway. And a big one, you gotta know where your enemy will attack you. You gotta know where the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Muslims and the Mormons will come at you. Especially now now so they've been, you know, trying to evangelize with people to spread their, their evil. So you have to know where you stand. When you have any of them tell you that the Bible does Jesus never said he was God, know this. Jesus said, I am and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. When he said, I am, that is ego and me. That's right. That's from the Old Testament, the name that God gave him, uh, gave himself. He says, you sh he says to Moses, my name is I am that I am. And, says, and also, another big one is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. So right after Elohim, it says Aleph Tav. The first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Jesus did the same thing with Greek. He says, I am the Alpha, Alpha and the Omega. And, Omega. Yep. and so this is why he said it. You have it in the Bible right there. And the Pharisees were like, wow, man. <laughs> yeah. the, the, mm -hmm. Now you know why he got upset. They got upset every time he said, I am. Yep. They got pretty erratic. I mean, you just read whenever he said it. Whenever they, and every realize, time he says, I am like that. They, and you realize this is why they accused him of being Belzebul. Because Belzebul was the firstborn son of Azazel. And they knew full well they were literally sitting right. I mean, they were sitting right in the seat of prophecy becoming fulfilled. They knew the 70 generations was up. They knew it. When he said that phrase, they thought that he meant, oh my goodness. This is Belzebul. This is the reason why there's this great big outbreak. The 70 generations are up. And the scapegoat cometh. They knew the Assyrian would be rising. They knew that. They believed their Bible, unlike most of these eschatology experts today. They don't even believe it. 
Now, I, I just, I want to be careful with this, but was this why the Earth started rumbling right, right after he died? Because, the the was earthquake! This, was this Azazel coming up? I, I see no other explanation. I uh, see no other explanation. And even still, could the sun have gone black because the black planet was going in front of it? I'm like, I don't know. What could you say? The Black Planet being Planet Nine. I don't know. That's that's which we call the stuff. But you literally, you have Greek historians who wrote about this, and they said. And what did they say? They said that it wasn't a solar eclipse. They said they don't. They said they didn't know. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, you have. Was it the celestial scapegoat? That'd be the only way to see it. The only way to see it is when it goes in front of the sun. Haven't I did live broadcast proving, give you the link straight from NASA, three planets we found. The only way we were able to find them is because they did a transit of their parent star. Their libido is less than 1%. Their pitch as the backdrop of blackness in the night. You can't see them. Go to NASA, get the technical data. Even if it was in between us and the moon, you still would not be able to see it. Go look it up. If it was, but if it was the Planet Nine or the Celestial Scapegoat, if it was that, what was it doing in our in this solar system at that time? And why weren't we destroyed by it? So I don't know. There's just, I mean, something happened to the sun. And it wasn't just a big local storm, because you have contestation by pagans who are thousands of miles away. Yep, thousands of miles away. Thousands of miles away. Out of time, out of concept. Way, I mean, way, yeah. Let me ask you something, son. I've taught you this since you could speak. Are you alive because you could breathe? Are you alive because you could drink water? Are you alive because you can eat food? That's all a lie boy. That's a lie. You are alive because God, he says so. Yeah. So, the, like, for instance, like, uh, I actually had a person talk to me the other day about, you know, I said, you don't get to choose if you die. No, you because, don't. I mean, uh, because we have multiple people who survived impossible suicide attempts. Yeah. People drinking all, a whole bunch of bleach and survived. It wasn't fun to live after that, but they survived. Surviving gunshots to the head. God chooses when you die, not you. So, so what happened then? Whatever God said so. Yeah. You are only told, in, in the Gospels, if you think about it, you're only told what's happening in the physical realm. You're only, look, son, you need to get over yourself. You're on a need-to-know basis. And remember, just like we talked about this zygote, Okay? God don't need nothing. He likes to use things, and we know that he's explained everything that's going to happen in the coming Muedkets, right? The Feast of the End. I mean, he's given it to all the technical data I've taught you. You know exactly what's going to happen in the heavenly realms, right? You know exactly what's going to happen. But he doesn't have to tell you And what happened there at Christ's crucifixion. Christ bound him up, right? In chains. We knew he had to do that because Michael's authority, Gabriel's authority, 
these seven archangels' authority only lasts for 70 generations, right? Did it come in to destroy us? And just exactly in the nick of time, God said, nope, Christ the King cracks a whip. And off he went, back into the deep. Yeah, and one of the shows that we did, we, we you mentioned the idea that that was what Jesus bound him in, was all the sins. Was all the sins. The world. Yep. After the destruction of the temple, we're told that, before the destruction of the temple, the they would put the rib, red ribbon on the scapegoat, right, and when right. they let it out, it would come back white. Yep. And then it stopped happening. We have proof of that. Yes, we have proof could, that the ribbon stopped turning white. But could that have happened actually, not the destruction of the temple, but after Christ? After Christ's death. Because all the sins were gone anyway. I mean, there was nothing to put on, take from that red ribbon. Right. All of those things that had already been put on the scapegoat. And you know what? You know what is really the problem with that? It makes sense. It makes sense what you just said. Anyway. Well, how long has this gone on? Surely this hasn't been an hour. Oh my goodness, it's an hour and nine minutes. Uh, look, these extreme Q&As are for you, the woman who desires to become the bride. There's only one type of bride, ladies and gentlemen. You better take this to the bank. She better be biblified. Right here, we give you a firm foundation. I don't, I'm not going to run around the bush, run around like an idiot with my head cut off. I'll tell you straight. I'll tell you clean, and I'll tell you the way it is. The manuscripts you can stand on is the Adidorogia, the Septuagint, the Masoretic, and the Delich. That's your firm foundation. You better get to know it, because he cometh. You need to take your entertainment, put it in the garbage disposal, and hit the button. It's time for you to enter into your edification while you still can. How can they get a hold of you, Aaron? Um, available on Facebook for sure. See me on Facebook. Okay. Um, all right. Um, you can hit us up on uh, Facebook. Uh, just Matthew Miller 49. That'll take you to the Twitter. That'll take you to the Facebook page. Um, you can go to according to the scripture.wordpress.com. We'll put that on the screen for you really quick. So you can get over there. Just come here and you can, I think you can send us a message there. Yeah, there's a contact Matthew form right there. Um, anyway, to make a long story uh, short, um, yeah, you can get a hold of us that way. Um, Aaron is also going to be going through some revisions on his book. Um, we haven't released it into uh, the reader form yet. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't like the format. Don't like the format. Um, when you try to look through the pages, I, I can't tell which chapter I'm in. That don't work. Yeah. And Number two, the size don't work. I don't like it. It needs to be right. So, uh, do you have any technical edification or uh, e uh, editings you're going to put in there? Um, so. None that I've thought of. I mean, it might change the font. I'm not sure if it, if it goes too out of line, but I'm going to have to uh, change the numbering, the numbering of the pages, of course, because I'm going to make it, the, the, the book itself is like about this big, and it's just 
we're going to make it more like that. The normal size. So that would actually make more pages. <laughs> like, you'd probably have a more normal size. But I still want the font to stay. Okay. I mean, um, it needs to be able to be read by older people that are having trouble seeing. So it needs to be, there needs to not be no small print. So, um, yeah, it's going to be available on the reader as soon as he gets that straightened out. Um, remember, if you want a signed copy, uh, just get a hold of him. He can get you a signed copy. Oh, yeah. And uh, one thing, uh, I would like some of your all's uh, feedback. Uh, if if we did a video, if we did, we started releasing movies for you, like uh, documentaries, what would you like to see? Would would you any of you be interested in that? And we so we just kind of considered that today, and um, just would like you all's feedback. What would you like to see? Would you you know Would you like to see a documentary by us, or uh, any ideas of anything that you would that works more with you? Definitely, um, and we definitely need to to do some uh, like the celestial scapegoat. I mean the celestial mechanics, everything involved, the grand tech, the Nice model. Uh, fifth gas giant, um, the whole nine yards. I mean, in video, we can display the technical data. We'll just shoot the link straight to NASA, all that stuff, so they can see it, so they can understand it. Definitely need to do one about, well, the timeline, okay? Definitely need, need to do one about the rod of iron. Who is that? Who is the 144,000? Everybody thinks it's one group running around with two different chapters. No, it's when one of the groups clearly says, in Revelation, you know, the end chapter said, these are the ones that got beheaded. We clearly say that. So anyway, we have to do, I mean, there's so much that we could do. So what do they need? That's the question. What do they need? Yeah. What do you, yeah, what would you like to see? Um, I'll also, we're trying to figure out what works most with you guys. Do you, does it help you to have music or something through the shows? Do you want to see more videos? Or more, um, you want to see more videos or more recordings. Uh, so whichever works with you guys, I just want to know. We, we would just really like your feedback. And if any of you who've got my Enoch translation, my Enoch translations, please give us some feedback on that. I'd like some. Yep. Um. Enough said. What do you need for your edification? You need to let us know. You need to let us know because that's the only way you're going to get it. So until next time, God bless. Godspeed.